be cautious with advice from when Rob launched Observe Point uh, back many years ago, you know, unofficially in 2007, officially in 2010. They are helping enterprise clients make sure they've got their marketing tech, their stack, their, their sales stack, basically any online web apps connected, making sure the information is flowing smoothly, the tags are firing. They also do that with applications and video as well, serving 250 customers right now. They've passed 10 million bucks in ARR. That's up from about four or five million just 13 months ago. So healthy growth. They've raised 20 million bucks, 84% annual logo retention is healthy. He's obviously working on driving that up, spending about, you know, or getting their money back on, on new customers in about 14 months with their team of 80 folks based mainly in Provo, Utah. This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple of hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. I had no money when I started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Rob Suas. He co-founded a company called ObservePoint in 2007, helping grow the company from a lean startup to the global leader in digital data quality that today serves enterprise clients worldwide. He's a thought leader, life enthusiast, and successful entrepreneur. He has more than 15 years of experience leading innovation in the digital marketing space. Rob, are you ready to take us to the top? Yeah, I sure am. It's great right. to be here. You bet, man. So tell us what ObservePoint does and, and what you mean by digital data. Yeah, so we're a data quality platform. We're a SaaS platform, and we ensure the proper implementation of digital marketing technologies from Google Analytics to Adobe Analytics, um, any other marketing technology. We ensure that it's properly QA'd, um, that's collecting the data that it's supposed to, and validated properly. That's data governance. Okay, so I assume that's growing as people have more options for their marketing and tech stacks or ready, really any stack in the SaaS world. Your business is growing. It sounds like what you're doing is you're making sure all these things are connected properly and data is flowing smoothly and accurately. That's correct. Interesting. Okay. And what's the, you said your business model is SaaS. Is that right? That's correct. Yes. Okay. And I don't want to go down every customer cohort, but on average, what do customers pay you per month for this service and what do they get? Uh, between 30 and 40,000. Okay. That's annual, first year ACV typically? Yes. Okay. And what do they get? For, give me a sample. Like what do they get? If I pay you 30 grand, what do I get for that? So the first thing you get is our ability to accurately validate an implementation for digital marketing technologies. So we have well over 600 technologies that we're experts on, and we'll go back and say, okay, you're implemented cor- uh, correctly you know, across 80% of your website, for example. And most of our brands are very large enterprise brands with hundreds of properties across the world, multiple teams. So there's also a process involved where we help them manage that process. Who owns the technology? Um, you know, What is it trying to collect? Each, each digital marketing tech these days is super powerful. So you can collect as much or as little as you want. And trying to validate that and make sure that rolls down correctly is difficult. So are you working with like a very, very small handful of clients called a dozen? Or have, do you have an SMB, like no-touch offering as well? No, we're all enterprise, but we have over 250 enterprise customers. Okay, large got brands. It. Yeah, got Mar- it. Marriott Hotels, American Express, um, very large brands like that. 
Okay. And I mean, if I take 250 brands times that first year ACB average you just gave me of 30 grand, I mean, that's what is that 2,500 bucks a month times 250 customers? What is that? 625 and MRR per month. Is that generally the range you're in? Yeah, we're north of that. Okay. North, like far, like I'm way off far north of that. No, so we just crossed actually a really nice milestone for SaaS at 10 million ARR. That, that would be 888. That's a good milestone. You should be. It is. Where's, there should be sham, empty champagne bottles in the background of this headshot here. There's none. Well, if, if you look close enough, you'll see some empty glasses back. <laughs> That's good. Okay, so you're past that, 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 uh, that $10 million mark, which means your ACV, it sounds like if I take that $10 million divided by 250 customers, is actually a bit higher, right? Yes. I mean, you, you asked for first bite, right? First bite of the apple, not lifetime value of the customer. Yep, yep, yep. So people you're adding are typically starting at 30 grand. Now, what is the playbook you're running to drive expansion revenue? Are you selling more seats? Are you, I know you have three product lines. Are you selling additional product lines? What's expansion revenue look like? No, so we actually focus on the, the number of domains, essentially. So we're not seat-based, we're domain-based. So a, a large customer like Turner, for example, uh-huh. can have over 100 worldwide properties. And then there might be a really large company that only has two or three. So like a, like a Best Buy, for example. So it yep. just completely depends on where the, the brand places its most value. And so that's around domains. And that's how most companies think about it. They think about domains. And that's how we do it as well. And we have an app product that allows for validation of Adobe Analytics and other key analytics tags inside an application. Okay. And, so and describe the Describe the video. I, I get web assurance and app assurance. Describe the video assurance product. Well, uh, video is a very <coughs> thing to manually QA as well as to validate um, out in production. So imagine you have to watch a 35-minute video to validate that there's an Adobe Analytics heartbeat tag happening inside. We can do that you know, via software. Yeah, I was so going to say, there's, two, no, six, there's no humans. Yes, and provides a huge, an immediate ROI for all of our customers. Okay, and now what are you growing at? So you just said you just passed 10 million in AR. What were we at 12 months ago? Yeah, so we we nearly doubled the last previous year, and we have um, some really high lofty goals for ourselves this year. That's good. So December 16, you call it, you know, 5 million in AR or about 400 grand per month. Do you think, now, you, have, you, you, you and I obviously know this, Rob, it's harder to double year after year when your numbers get bigger. Do you think you can double again this year or you think it'll flatline to 70, you know, 60 percent? Yeah, I think that's probably where we put ourselves right now this year. Um, uh, we, have, we have some uh, tailwinds coming. We think we talk about data governance and have as for years. Right now, if you were to ask most of our EMEA customers, because we have quite a few there as well. Your what, your what customers? EMEA. What's that? Uh, Europe, Middle East, Asia. Got it. I mean, Africa, sorry. So if you were to ask one of our um, London-based customers and ask them what data governance is, they would say GDPR because that's actually what GDPR is. It's data governance. It's just called GDPR. So that is a, a tailwind that we expect to see in a really positive way for the next two, three, four years of the business. And give me more of the backstory. What year did you launch the company in? Uh, what year did we launch the company in? Yep. So we, we incorporated, if you will, in 2007, but that's not fully accurate. Really, we feel our first year is 2010. Our first real alpha customer came on board in 2010. So what so we, was, we what was happening? Seven years old. What was happening between 07 and 2010? Um, well, not a lot, actually. Um, I had built and sold a company previous to this. The other co-founder is John Pistana. So John Pistana was the Amateur co-founder. So they obviously had the Adobe acquisition and the transition there. So he was busy doing a few other things as well. That kind of caused us to to take the business um, not as seriously as we started to. And it takes time to build software. So we bootstrapped our way all the way to being profitable at a a million dollars plus. 
And then we went and, um, you know, went out and got capital for the business to accelerate after that. How so much have you raised to date? Pardon me? How much have you raised to date? Uh, north of 20 million. North of 20 million. Okay. And is that all equity? Like that's all equity or is there debt on the back of that? And that's all. That's all equity. And oh. Mercado is our lead investor as well as Pelion Venture Partners, both here in Utah. We're, who, uh, who is it? Mark, you said Marketo is the lead? Uh, no, Mercado. Oh, Mercado. Okay, got it. I was going to say, I thought I heard you wrong. Okay, good. And and what is the, so I mean, weird question here. A lot of people wonder when founders like you guys have big successes. I know the Omnitra exit was a good one. I don't know what your exit was, but I assume it was a meaningful financial event. I mean, it's hard to make a wealthy person, uh, you know, feel like their back's against the wall again. So, so how are you uh, brainwashing yourself that your back's against the wall so you have that drive? Well, that's really interesting. I think most entrepreneurs actually just are inherently self-driven. Uh, if you were to go back and and ask me of my 20 year old self, you know, how much different I am now and then there's just experience. I don't think the drive is fundamentally changed. So most of the entrepreneurs that I see that take companies from zero to exit and that I experience, they go on to the next project. I know very few that have just had an exit and then do literally nothing. They all have different projects. Sometimes those projects change from technology to real estate, but they still have a project. And that's what it is for me. Tell me about your turn. Yeah, I think that's the that's the juice, if you will, inside any SaaS business. Retention, retention, retention is our focus for this year. As we've acquired a lot of customers, one of the things that you learn is what your best customers are. I think we've really understood what those look like, feel like, and how we interact with those in the last 18 months. So the focus on the business is ensuring that we acquire, uh, retain, and grow the right customers. From From my point of view, you can do all the, it's kind of like going to the gym. You can do all the lifts that you want and take all the right supplements and grow. But, it, but if you really want to, to juice up and grow, that's, that's high logo retention, you know, high logo retention, 80 high eighties to low 90%. Is that where you're at right now? No, that's our aspirational goal for this year is okay. to just grow our logo retention. What are you at right now annually? Well, we've been at 84%. We want to get north of that. Well, that's not horrendous, right? So logo. Now, now is it about the same in terms of you convert that to revenue retention? It's about 84%? Uh, no, revenue retention is north of 100%. North of, well, give me gross revenue retention. That's right. Before, well, gross revenue retention can't be higher than 100, no, right? No, I'm sorry. I'm, you, you, I'm sorry. You said gross. I meant net. Net. Yeah, yeah. So what I was asking was, what is your gross revenue retention? Is it 84% or is it higher? It's higher than that. Okay. And, and then what are you driving in terms of expansion revenue year over year to then get to your net number? Well, driving just through up sales. Yeah. Are you, are you in an actual metric? Yeah. Yeah. Like is it 10% expansion revenue and then you've got 6% churn. So you're net positive by over a hundred percent. Yeah. It's pretty close to that. Okay. Interesting. So that's, that's pretty healthy. Now the people that are churning, why are they churning? Are they just shutting down domains and they're lowering their ACVs or are they canceling altogether? Uh, it's a combination of factors. Um, one is just that we're a new technology and some customers are better equipped to use us um, than others. So we certainly have that. Part of that's uh, us identifying the right customers. We have customers from APAC and, and other parts of Europe that have been hard for us to service. Uh, and, and we've also had some South American customers as well. So there's some geographic differences. And then just overall, um, you know, understanding how we best get traction and deep traction inside these larger enterprise brands, which sometimes can be somewhat difficult to work with and almost dysfunctional to a level. I, like you guys, have never been able to find a project management tool that I love. 
You know, my blog writers like one thing, my developers like one thing, my designers like a different thing, and it's so difficult to get them all on the same page. So when I had Roy Mann, the CEO of Monday.com on the show, I was pleasantly surprised at what he told me regarding his traction and his growth, and I said, maybe I should try this thing. So we now use Monday.com. I started with the magazine. We've launched the Latka magazine, solely dedicated to SaaS founders. It's the only magazine focused on SaaS. And my content writers and my designers worked beautifully together on that project using Monday.com for project management. I then said, well, let me give it a real test. Let me see if I can use this for sprints and product cycles with my developers using it as well. And so we did that for GitLatka on our last release. It worked like a charm. Never before have I been able to find one tool that my developers, my designers, and my writers, and myself can use and be happy with. You know, for me, I do most of my work waiting on the boarding deck about to get on a plane. I have to be able to access this stuff on my mobile device, and it works beautifully. We've been using it for several months now, and I said, Roy, I'd love to introduce this to my audience, but you got to give me a great discount. Make me a great offer. He said, Nathan, okay, fine. If your folks sign up and try today, we'll give them 10% off all plans if they use this link, nathanlacka.com forward slash Monday. So you can go there, try it for free, and if you decide to start paying, you'll get 10% off. Again, that's nathanlacka.com forward slash Monday. The pricing axes you told me earlier that you can drive expansion on, you said a number of domains. Do you, I mean, a business can still grow revenue significantly, but not grow their domains. I mean, do you feel like you're a handicap because you don't have other metrics that you can upsell on, like number of seats or number of corrected errors or anything like that? No, I don't think so. It hasn't felt that way. And there's certainly modularization of the product line and and clear room for us to grow down the future that we, we're not necessarily concerned so much about um, changing the, the pricing model. Okay, That doesn't seem to be a, a big... Uh, positive or negative in, inside the business right now. So you feel like you can drive meaningful expansion revenue just by upselling additional product lines, even if their number of domains aren't expanding and you don't have a per seat model. So it really is just upsell additional products. Yes, but I would say that we, I don't know of a current enterprise customer that doesn't have some type of um, increase in domain and increase in apps. I in see. fact, you take a look at like cbs.com. It's been a customer for quite, quite a long time how many properties they have, and then how many apps they've gone from, you know, three years ago with apps that number less than their domains and now apps number three times their domains. So there seems to be plenty of growth in there for us. Got it. Um, Another question. So once somebody uses you to make sure everything's working properly, right? Boom, they check that checkbox. Why do they keep using you month after month? Well, because the website is kind of almost like a living, breathing thing. It changes all the time. So a website can work perfectly and have perfect data collection one day and you have a release from um, a team over in India or a team in Cincinnati or Miami or wherever that team is. And then all of a sudden data collection breaks. And part of our technology is to instantly notify marketing departments when that happens. Tell me more about some of the other economics about growing your customer base. So what's your CAC look like today? Yeah, so basically one of the things that we really focus on um, is a well, premium analytics users. So we know our target market and our, our entry-level TAM, I think, really, really solid. You take a look at the best Adobe brands out there, best Adobe users, and they're generally who we go after. So I think we're, we're pretty healthy that way because we are able to um, really focus and know where our bread is buttered, so to speak. And it allows us to make sure that we're not out chasing too many balls and, 
and putting resources in the company to go outside of, you know, basically to go outside of that. So one of the reasons we are a, a high level partner with Adobe. In fact, last year we won their technology of the year award uh, because of the relationship and the natural value add that we are to the Adobe customer base. Yeah, right Robert, I, I totally understand all that. And the focus is obviously a good thing, but I'm curious, fully weighted, what does your cap look like to acquire one of these guys? I mean, I assume you have inside salespeople working these deals. Maybe you do some paid spend or conferences. What's that fully weighted cap look like? Yeah, that's something we probably won't want to talk about. Right okay. Now. Okay. And why is that? Is it just, is it higher than what you'd expect or you feel like it's a competitive thing you don't want to share because you've kept it yeah. really low? <laughs> A little bit, little bit of all those things. Okay. Um, do you pay Adobe a kickback for that partnership or no? It's just out of the good of their hearts, they love the product. Yes. We, well, we're an instant ROI for them. One of the things that the company started, if you go back to our, our founding story, was John Pastana. So John was the co-founder of Omniture. And their biggest problem was having customers call and say, the data's not right and would blame Adobe and at that time, Omniture. And I'm sure and Adobe would say, it's not the analytics solution, it's your implementation of it. And there's been multiple different attempts and ways that uh, the market has understood that this needs to be solved from tag management solutions um, to CMS, uh, high-level CMS integrations. And now when you think about it, um, all those are front-end, but there's nothing to validate in the back-end. And the changes are so rapid in today's um, you know, mobile and web development cycles that you actually need something much more proactive going out and validating um, proper data collection more than just, hey, it's in our CMS or it's in our tag management solution, so it must be working. Rob, when you when you bring on these customers, and I don't know what your sales cycle looks like, but you invest a lot to bring them on, how patient are you considering what you've raised and how big you are? I mean, how, how many months are you willing to wait to recapture that money? What's your payback period look like? Well, I mean, acquiring customers in, in the enterprise sales cycle is long, right? So we average, you know, a little bit shy of 150 days, which is pretty much right in the wheelhouse for customers. We've had come customers that take nearly two years to yep. fully acquire. Um, and because of that, you know, you have to, you work really hard to get them. And so you have to work even extra hard to retain them. Again, so in terms of payback period, I mean, are you trying to operate the business from an efficiency perspective where you get that money back in the first year? or the first two years, or are you less aggressive and you, six months is what you want to get it back in? Yeah, we, right now we're pretty healthy with it slightly over a year. Okay, uh, I mean, that's pretty good. So call it 14, 15 months, something like that. Yeah. yeah. And then, I mean, backing into that, right? So if you say first year ACV is between 30 and 40 grand, it's fair to say you're comfortable spending something like that amount to bring these guys on at all. Yes, that's right. And as most people, go ahead. And you have to, I mean, the the sales cycle and the expense of trying to acquire an enterprise customer mandates that you retain them. That's and right. mandates that you actually grow and upsell into your account. You can't just have the first bite of the apple be the only bite of the apple. That's right. Yeah, I know. Is most of your growth year over year coming from expansion revenue into the current base or is it coming from brand new customers? Both. Okay. But if you had to pick which one is driving more growth, which one? Right now, new logo grows more. Okay. Uh, is more growth than upsells. Okay, good. And and last few questions here. What's your team size look like today? About 80 people. It's about 70 people here in our in our Provo, Utah headquarters. And we have some we have an EMEA team as well and with a London office and some contractors as well. Okay. And uh, wrapping up and closing out the economics lifetime. I don't know why people use lifetime value because I think you can lie to yourself really easily, especially with you have some pretty healthy economics here in terms of revenue retention. You could probably rationally argue to your team that these folks are worth an indefinite amount to you. How do you keep yourself rational? I mean, what do you assume a minimum lifetime value is on these guys? Well, I think it comes down for us to, to logo retention. A high logo retention rate 
And as long as you're doing some level of upsells, basically most of the metrics fall in line pretty simply after that. Right. Uh-huh. So the most of the the metrics kind of get wonky if if revenue retention, therefore gross and net dollar retention get wonky too. And so if you our my point of view is the simplicity of a very high logo retention solves most of the <laughs> Especially once you get to a business that's you know doing north of six seven million in in ARR and growing. Yeah, I guess my question is: you mentioned earlier with eighty four percent annual logo retention that I think you know reverse comes out to sixteen percent churn each year, or call it one percent per month, which means the average customer is staying with you. You could argue rationally about a hundred months at that three grand per month price point on average. I mean, you could argue that these folks are worth worth north of three hundred grand a pop to you guys, right? right? And the reason I the reason I ask that is. Maybe you feel like it's worth more, maybe it's less, but a lot of CEOs will use that LTV number to drive back to what their CAC is. And they can sometimes drive spending up too much because of an unrealistic LTV. So I'm just curious how you think about balancing these. Well, I think efficiencies in the business has got to be a focus. It's very easy to talk about all the different pieces that you need in order to service uh, a large customer or any customer, but particularly large ones, just because they, the dysfunction inside a lot of big brands and the multiple teams. And, and I don't know... I don't know very many of our our bigger customers who don't have multiple teams um, in multiple cities across the United States, let alone the world. So if you don't, um, so it's really easy to convince yourself how much more you have to spend and how you have to market and talk to them. And it's easy to kind of get efficiencies, you know, kind of sideways. So I think it's just a, uh, has to be a discipline of the business to do that. Yeah. When did you uh, raise your last round of funding? Uh, so f- 17 months ago. Okay. 16 months ago. Something like that. So Rob, you're either raising right now or you're selling to somebody. Which one is it? Uh, so we've got a little add on round with our lead investor doing an inside round. Yeah. And typically you see those inside rounds being done where you need a little extra capital to grow to kind of a, a run rate you want to grow to. And that gets you to the next point where you can go out and get the value you want on a new round from outside investors. Is that generally what you're thinking? Generally, the thought process, yes. Cool. All right, let's wrap up with the famous five. Number one, what's the last book you read? Uh, boy, the last book I've read, I reread The Advantage. Okay. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying uh, right now? Mm, you know, there there is one, but I'm, I almost don't want to share his name. So I, I'm still... Uh, I'm still a fan of some of the local CEOs here in, in Utah. I think Utah's got a little bit of an interesting culture. And so there's there's some folks here that I talk to. But we'll leave it at that. You wanna well, if my audience wants to study who you're studying, name name one you're comfortable sharing. Well so I love him and hate him. It's hard not to to love and hate Steve Jobs, but because there's so many things he does well and there's so many things I look at and say, I'm not sure I want to be that guy. Yeah, yeah. All right. Great. Number three, uh, name a tool that you use every day to build a business. Uh, we use Domo quite a bit to help build a business. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Uh, don't get my required and recommended eight hours, but uh, I get generally six to seven. That's pretty healthy. And what's your situation, Rob? Married, single, you have kiddos? Uh, I am divorced with five kids. Holy mackerel, five kids. That's amazing. Are they all, are you empty nester or no? Uh, no, that's a Utah water kind of thing, by the way. <laughs> So. <laughs> so to say almost every CEO I've spoken with, it's like five, six, 12, Aaron Ross has 12 kids. I'm like, what is you, what are you drinking? All uh-huh. right. Five kids. And how old are you? Um, I'm 46. 46. Okay. Last question. What do you wish your 20 year old self knew? Mm, just to keep going. I think the, they're so easy to get discouraged. And I think the, the number one thing is you hear so many great pieces of advice 
information has never been easier to attain or acquire. But with that is the requisite, the prerequisite to say, what piece of information am I hearing? And does that apply to my business right now? Because you can hear somebody talking about what worked for them as a $50 million business or a $5 million business. And you might be right in the middle and it may be disastrous if you implement that. So it's very, very careful to, to um, validate and understand what piece of information you're listening to as a CEO and what you actually want to use and strategize on in the business. There you guys have it. Be cautious with advice from when Rob launched Observe Point uh, back many years ago, you know, unofficially in 2007, officially in 2010. They are helping enterprise clients make sure they've got their marketing tech, their stack, their, their sales stack, basically any online web apps connected, making sure the information is flowing smoothly, the tags are firing. They also do that with applications and video as well, serving 250 customers right now. They've passed 10 million bucks in ARR. That's up from about four or 5 million just 13 months ago. So healthy growth. They've raised 20 million bucks, 84% annual logo retention is healthy. He's obviously working on driving that up, spending about, you know, or getting their money back on, on new customers in about 14 months with their team of 80 folks based mainly in Provo, Utah. Rob, thank you for taking us to the top. It's good to be here.